0: I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 75 of the show, and I am joined by our favorite Hollywood housewife, Laura Tremaine. This week, we are talking all about social media. We're going to explore the awesomes of the main social media platforms that are part of your everyday life, as well as some of the pitfalls. We're also going to share our best tips and hacks for working around the non-awesome parts of social media as well. We've been wanting to do an episode on social media for a long time. It's something that we as the co-host team talk about a lot and work in every single day, but it feels especially relevant this week as American politics are reaching a fever pitch and so are the discussions on social media, but also much more awesome than that, Laura is hosting her annual one-day event on Instagram. So, Laura, tell us more about that. I'm super
1: excited for one day. It is my favorite day in all of social media in the whole year. This is our fifth annual one-day event. You might have seen the hashtags. People use the hashtag one day, Basically the idea is to take one normal day, I usually try to pick the middle of the week on like a normal type week without a holiday or anything, and we document what a typical day in your life looks like right now. You start with your morning alarm, it goes all the way until you crawl into bed at night. It's really fun. We all do it together on the same day, I pick the date and then I tell everyone. And while I really like documenting my own day, it's extra fun to follow the hashtag along and see like everyone else living out their really normal days. People who are doing one day are posting a lot more than usual. Like it's kind of fills up the Instagram feed, honestly, but it's only one day. So (laughs) I think it's okay. (laughs) It's totally Um, okay. Yes. Most people take maybe like one picture an hour or something similar. They really end up kind of documenting their different steps throughout the day. So like maybe they take something as part of their morning routine, then they take a picture of their cubicle at work, then they take a picture of what's playing on their car radio or their outfit, school pickup, like basically just a lot of the things that don't usually get documented and shared, but they're part of our everyday. So it's like a look into people's real life instead of just like the highlights that typically Make it onto social media. And so many people have done this for many years. Like I said, this is the fifth year we've done it. And it's so interesting to look back and see what's different about your day. Absolutely. Like maybe if you're if you're in like the little kid stage, you don't feel like your
0: day is any different than last year. But when you compare, it really is. It really is. In fact, I know you've been getting a lot of questions, people asking you, Laura, when is one day this year? I think it's because I know for me in my Time Hop app, which brings up my memories from all kinds of social media through the years. I've had several one days roll through time hop and it is amazing to look back and see that that stream from that day, that stream of pictures, and just think about how very different my life is really even from a year ago. So yeah, over I know. Span of a few years. It's really incredible to see.
1: It's super, super fun. Even if this is your first year, I think that you'll get into it, people kind of have to get over their nerves at first because they're like a little nervous to post so much in one day. I do on my own Instagram account um, a few days before kind of provide these little images that people can kind of steal and put on their own page that's like, warning, I'm about to participate in this thing and I'm going to post a lot. Sorry. (laughs) But it is, it's only one day. So the day that I've picked is next Wednesday, November 2nd. Everybody mark their calendars Wednesday, November 2nd. I will give out warnings and remind people. So if you aren't following me, go find me on Instagram. I'm laura.tremaine. I would love to see people participate that are part of the sort of Awesome community. It would be great to see new faces and just kind of follow throughout the day. One of the big lessons, I think I talked about this on the show last year after we had done one day, was kind of just feeling like a shared humanity Like people that you follow who it seems like they have maybe a perfect life or a way different life than you. When you see that like everybody bathes their kids and everybody does their daily whatever, like it really makes you feel like, okay, we are all in this together. So it's super fun.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It really is. And we have people who participate um, that are not in the United States. So maybe they're overseas. Those are always so fascinating to me, too. I love those little glimpses into everyday life outside of our country. So it's so great. I cannot wait. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. so again, Wednesday, November 2nd. Make a note to yourself that we will all be doing One Day HH again. All right, well, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do, Laura, with Awesome of the Week. What do you have for us this week? My Awesome of the Week is
1: kind of silly, and I'm rolling with it anyway, because it's Halloween time-ish. And I don't know if I talk about this much, but I have a major sweet tooth.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. I don't think you've really talked about it on the show, but yeah, that's legit.
1: But so- Besides my Dr. Pepper usage, which is daily, um, I also (laughs) love treats. And Mm -hmm. so I thought I would share with Awesomes my two favorite treats, one that can be stuck in Halloween baskets and one that I just kind of like for myself. But anyway, I'm really into the Snickers Crisper bar.
0: Oh, I haven't tried that.
1: (gasps) I know. That's why I'm telling everyone about it. Mhm, mm-hmm. it's the new snickers. It's in a blue package. It used to be called years ago Snickers Cruncher, and then they discontinued it, and I was super sad.
0: <laughs> what a bummer!
1: <laughs> I can see that you're like, this is so random. <laughs> I don't care because I need people to be putting this in in their Halloween pass out bag Sn- okay the snickers crisper it's like crunchy and caramely and delicious it's in the blue the blue package now my other favorite treat is not necessarily available everywhere but it's from the sprinkles cupcake
0: chain do you guys have that in oklahoma i don't think so but i do think that they're in dallas (laughs) (laughs) for anyone who's willing to make a try i don't think we have sprinkles here though
1: they're kind they're in most major cities i think by now but if not, they're they're a pretty popular cupcake chain. I actually don't like their cupcakes, mm. which is, should That's I... A
0: little controversial <laughs> confession.
1: Should I say that publicly? Yes, um, <laughs> yes we're doing that. Okay. <laughs> they're just not my thing. But they do have this thing that I like really love. And every time I go to the mall, I get. It's called a salted oatmeal cornflake cookie. Wow,
0: What's not to like?
1: I mean, it is is amazing. It is so delicious. You can't even believe it. I'm going to put um, like a imitation recipe in the show notes because there's a lot of them out there like on Pinterest and stuff sort of inspired by the sprinkles salted oatmeal cornflake cookie in case you don't live close to a sprinkles and you want to try and make it. On your own. It is super delicious. It's expensive for a cookie because those places are. It's like $4 or something crazy. But, so it's like a mama. It's like a mama cookie. It's not like something you get for your kid. Right. Anyway, that is my random and seasonally appropriate awesome of the week
0: now you go totally totally seasonally appropriate those sound wonderful okay mine is a netflix series it is not for the mamas and the daddies out there it is actually for girls girls that are sort of in the age range of my girls which is sort of like uh my girls are 9 and 11 so kind of in that 8 to 12 or 13 age range and there's three seasons of this series on Netflix, and I'm going to share three reasons why I love it. The name of this series is Project MC Squared. Hmm. And so I am super loving this show for girls, and I think that women who are listening are going to really understand why I'm loving it so much. Number one, and really important to me, is that it passes the Bechdel Test. Are you familiar with what the Bechdel Test is? I haven't understood very many of the words you've been saying now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so people who are familiar with sort of feminist theory and critique of culture will understand the Bechtel test is a, it's a, it's a theory that you apply to fictional works, whether it's film, TV, a book you're reading. It asks whether a work of fiction features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. I just didn't know the name, but I know that. Okay test.
0: Yes, yes. It's very popular um, in terms of like, you might see a mention of it on Twitter, or you might see, oh, memes and graphics and those types of things that talk about this. It was kind of invented in the 1980s by an American cartoonist named Alison Bechtel, who looked around and realized that it was just really appalling how rarely you see women in conversation with each other in some kind of fictional format when they're not talking about men. Well, When my girls grew out of like the PBS Kids, Disney Junior age range of media and transitioned over to Disney's programming for older girls, I have to tell you, I was completely appalled by how few shows pass the Bechtel test. And we're talking about shows that are marketed towards a, a demographic of girls that start around ages seven and eight. And what I saw was a lot of boy drama, a lot of kissing drama. Things that I'm not against, you know, across the board. I just didn't feel like were developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm. for that age range. I was really disappointed. I stopped short of banning those shows in our house. I remembered from my own childhood that shows that were banned often increased my (laughs) ability to get sneaky and watch them anyway. So instead of banning them, I would just sit with the girls while they were watching. Or even if I was just like walking through the room while they were watching, I would just kind of casually be like oh my gosh, that's a lot of drama over this boy situation. Just kind of offer commentary and be like, you know, like not everything has to revolve around these boyfriend situations or whatever. Just kind of try to insert a little bit of pushback for them. Mm -hmm. Because I just was not digging the messages that were being conveyed on a lot of these. And again, this was Disney. This was not even like some of the um, other media that's out there. Well, Project MC Squared... Has a group, a, a core group of four girls who are super smart. They're, they dress cute. One of them wears high heels all the time. They, you know, are, most of them are into makeup and stuff like that, but they're also super into the sciences. And so in the, the sort of driving plot point for Project MC Squared is that they're all kind of like almost like spy agents um, for this government, secret government agency called Innovate, which is run by women. And it has women basically saving the day in lots of different scenarios. And these girls somehow get connected with Innovate and do these sort of spy missions. They're not like super serious. They're they're pretty lighthearted. That sounds really fun. It is so fun. I will sit and watch it with the girls and have just been enjoying it so much. So I love the fact that although there are boy characters and there's nothing that's, you know, like sort of anti-boy messaging in it, it's just girls doing really cool stuff together without any boyfriend drama being involved. So that's the first reason I love it. Second reason I love it is it's an incredible representation of the study of the STEM areas, which that's an acronym for science science technology, engineering, and math, which our girls need really good positive messaging mm-hmm. that girls can be into this stuff. So you have you have the lead girl who's kind of really into like the, the, the sort of secret agent part of it, but then her friends, uh, one of them is like an engineer who's constantly building stuff from just things that she finds around the house. There's one who's a chemist. Um, the one who's a little bit more of the tomboy of the group. She's like the tech junkie and hacker girl. And so you see girls in these really normal everyday situations doing these things that you don't always see girls being represented in, in those academic disciplines, so Mm -hmm. I love the STEM representation. And then thirdly, I really like that they have made an effort towards diversity representation as well. So two of the main characters are white girls, but then there's also an African American girl and a Latina girl. And I fully believe that it is so important for girls of all backgrounds to see themselves in positive ways on the screen. So I've really appreciated that they have made an effort towards diversity in that. I do hope that they'll expand and include an Asian American girl in the cast. And I would really like it if the show would consider a diversity of body shapes. So it's kind of your typical like standard teen girl body that you see represented in the cast and, and lots of girls look like that. And that's fine. One of the biggest messages I preached to my girls is all bodies are good bodies. And I would really love to see a show explore that idea without a girl of a bigger body size, like without that being the topic of conversation around her, like that's just like a normal thing for a right. cast member. So, anyway, I'm loving that show. Like I said, the 3rd season just came out. So, if you have if you have daughters in this age range or nieces or goddaughters or girls in your community group, I highly recommend passing along the good word about this show because it has been really fun to sit and watch with my girls and I've just loved seeing how much they love it too. So, that's my awesome of the week. Your awesome of the week was so
1: much better than mine. <laughs> Uh, I'm really glad I, you're the host of this show.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling, though, that as, as our listeners are diving into their first Snickers Crisper, is that what it was? Yes, Crisper Blue wrapper. <laughs> the Blue wrapper Snickers. They're going to be super thankful for your Awesome of the Week, too.
1: <laughs> I secretly think that, too. <laughs>
0: All right. So, Laura, social media, we have been brainstorming. How do we even tackle something as big and as enmeshed in our everyday life as social media is? Let's start with Twitter, because I think you're really good at Twitter. I've had a conflicted past and relationship with Twitter. So let's start there. I would love to hear some of the things that you find to be awesome about Twitter. Twitter is my favorite.
1: Um it's just my personal favorite. And I use this app on my computer called Rescue Time. Do you know this app? Mm, I've heard of it, but I've never used it. It kind of tracks your time and it sends you an email once a week. It will tell you how much time you spent on email. It will tell me how much time you spent on Facebook, like that kind of thing. And I get this email once a week that tells me about my time. And it always tells me I spent the most time on Twitter <laughs>
0: That's easy to do though. There's a lot to engage with on Twitter. Well, I use Twitter. That's the difference.
1: Like I don't feel like it's as time-wasty because Mm -hmm. it is really like the most useful. Like I feel like I'm actually gaining knowledge from Twitter because kind of like all of these things that we're gonna talk about, Twitter is really all about who you follow. Absolutely, yes. And it moves so fast that I just can't waste any follows on on people who aren't really useful or entertaining to me. And so the key to that is you have to use lists on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's literally the most important thing I think you can do. Because back in the day when I was blogging and I first started on Twitter, I just followed everybody back. So I ended up following thousands of people that maybe I didn't even care what they were saying. At this point, a lot of bloggers on Twitter are just self-promotion. Yeah. They're kind Mm -hmm. of not anything else. I need those people to not be in my regular feed. So in order to um, see everybody that you want to see, because Twitter does move so fast, you should have lists. Now, I don't think you should have too many lists because then you won't check them all. Mm -hmm. I have three lists. Okay. I have my main feed that everybody comes in, of course. I have a catch list that is, these are the people I really want to catch. Okay. Like what they're tweeting. Right. Um, This is a lot of news sources. I follow a lot of news sources or, you know, really good friends or people who are, Often tweeting out links not to their own stuff but to interesting articles and that kind of stuff like Brain Pickings and you know people like that those are the people I do not want to miss their tweets they're in my catch list and then I have a local list mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: because I'm really interested in a lot of uh, California or Los Angeles stuff like activities news um, you know entertainment stuff like all my California stuff is in a different list and I mainly just check those two lists and. And between those two, I can get the most out of Twitter. Now, the other thing about Twitter is, and I don't know, it kind of depends on if I'm talking to a newbie or not, but I find it kind of hard to use Twitter on my phone. Interesting. Okay. Unless I am um, at at an event that I'm live tweeting, then obviously all I have is my phone. Mm -hmm. And I use the Echo Phone app on my phone. I do not use Twitter's native app. And and it's fine. I I find it a little bit harder and it drains your battery, but it's fine. When I'm on my computer, which is most of the way I use Twitter, I use TweetDeck, which keeps all of my lists in columns right in front of me. So I do see all those people that aren't in a list, but that, are in, that I do follow. So I do catch some of those people sometimes, but then I keep my other lists in front of me. Now, if you're new to Twitter and the first time you see TweetDeck, it looks like total chaos. It, it looks does. like... <laughs> It looks like you want to run and hide into your bed and you can't take it. But once you get used to how you're looking at it, um, I just love Twitter. I can't say enough about it.
0: It's so great. And I want to speak to the list thing, too, because here's an important thing that I kind of – stumbled across and actually use really um, effectively. Now, your list can be either private or public. So as a podcaster, I have a public list of other podcasters. So people could come, I mean, if anybody wanted to, they could look at who I'm following and look at my lists and see, you know, these are awesome podcasters that I think people should follow. But then, like you were talking about your catch list, I have a list called Love's, and it's private. And those are just like my friends. Or also maybe they're like, I don't know, I just find them interesting. And I want to catch all of their stuff. But when you add someone to a public list, it gives them a notification that I don't necessarily want to notify all of the people. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. But it's just like, it's my little private list. So I fell into the same trap or pitfall that you did early on in Twitter. And if someone followed me, I followed them back. And so I am following 1000s of people <laughs> for no real good reason, that my loves list is actually, it's under 400. It's much more manageable in terms of who I'm trying to keep up with. So you can make a private list. You can make a private list for secret crushes. <laughs> you could make a, a private list of your favorite celebrities or whatever. Like you can do it that way. You can also have your public list. I find public lists to be really helpful on a sort of professional level. When I am looking at people I consider to be colleagues to see who they're following, I like. That function of lists. I also, you mentioned live tweeting. Live tweeting can be so fun, particularly um, if it's a sort of cultural thing that's happening. So, whether it's a ball game or an award ceremony or um, the Walking Dead season premiere, whatever you can hop on Twitter and follow, or the presidential debates, you can follow the feed as everybody's sort of collectively engaging in in that. I definitely, I, I did not watch the presidential convention coverage on a screen at all. I just followed the feed on Twitter and found all I needed to know <laughs> with appropriate commentary um, from the presidential convention's Uh, this past summer by following the Twitter feed. So that can be really fun. And then you actually go to a lot of events that would be fun to tweet, for example, when you're at the VMAs or other things like that. It's always fun to see when people are actually at a thing to hear their sort of on the ground insights.
1: I love the live tweeting. I think it has made events even more fun. I live tweet from home a lot, like the Oscars and different award shows and then things that we go to occasionally I'll live tweet. I go to author events and sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. here in Los Angeles, just last week I went to two different kind of local events, one for Grace Bonney of design sponge and one for um, Emma Donahue, the writer of the wonder. And I just live tweeted that. And, you know, that doesn't have as big of interest, but like I I try to tweet out like the, the things that are of interest. I want to back up a little bit and kind of say like the core of why Twitter is super valuable. Okay, let's hear it. I think that it's changing the news cycle. Ooh, interesting. And, you know, you can argue that for better or worse because oftentimes Civilians or even reporters will tweet something before it is official and maybe they get it wrong. Mm. Um, So in some ways, I I really do see the arguments that um, instant news where things can be so misconstrued or misunderstood is not always the best news. However, I do think that civilian perspectives are changing how we see the news, it cannot be spun anymore when you have someone who is like live tweeting it from the protest or from mm-hmm. whatever's happening. Um, i i I think that's changing the world. yeah, I really do. and I think that that is really Twitter specific. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't do some of those things on the other platforms, but Twitter is so unfiltered, yes. even I, you know, just a normal person, am a lot more unfiltered on Twitter, I don't think about how much I do or don't tweet because I'm, you know, worried that I've tweeted too much. Like, you know, on Facebook, I don't want to post too much because you're like, are you bugging people, whatever. Um, And this is both personal and for my online work. Like, I'm constantly like, well, is this worth putting on this social media platform? Like, is this link good enough? Is Is this photo worth putting in people's face? On Twitter, I don't have that I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody has that same thought process because it moves so fast. A tweet's going to be gone in literally a matter of minutes. Right. So you're not overthinking like, is is my 140 characters worth it? Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. The 140 character limit is the joy and the pain of Twitter for me. Because you're right. It's it's a snippet. And you can certainly kind of connect your tweets if you are trying to say something bigger. But you have to be a lot more careful with the number of words that you use. And for me, somebody who uses words a lot, I use too many words to say something simple. It makes me really think about words in a way that I don't on any other social media. So it can sometimes be a little bit of a drag, but at the same time, because of Because that allows Twitter to move so quickly. Twitter is very, very immediate. And so it moves quickly. And so you're right, I don't, there's very few people that I follow that I feel like they're over tweeting, you know, like, like, you just understand that's the culture of Twitter. And if you don't like how much someone tweets, you can easily unfollow. But I just, I think it's, it really lends itself to such an immediate consumption of social media and participation in it as well.
1: A few things to remember when you're using Twitter, whether you've been on there forever or whether you're a newbie, Twitter can instantly be more vicious. Ah, that is true. Yes. So it's like the other side of the coin of That everyone is quite a bit more unfiltered there. Yes, sometimes that will bite you in the butt, Uh Um, because you might toss off, you know, an opinion or or whatever, and um, the pitchforks come out way more readily and way more quickly on Twitter. Mm -hmm. They also disappear sometimes as fast as they came. So, like, it's you kind of have to roll with that wave, or you know, if you're not uh, ever gonna post anything that would maybe get that reaction, that's okay too. But it's, it is just a reminder maybe that the nature over there is just continually unfiltered. It's just more uncivilized. Also, a tip that I see even seasoned Twitter users not understanding is never start out your tweet with the at symbol mm. unless you're directly replying to someone. Right. Yes. So if you mean to tweet for the world sort of awesome Meg is amazing. If you start that sentence with the at sort of awesome Meg, she's the only one who will see it. That's right. <laughs> Which is maybe not getting your message as widespread as you want it to be. Yeah. So um, I, I still see people doing that. And I'm like, do they, are they confused? Um, <laughs> so just start your sentence differently. Start it with, I think. Uh-huh. Sort of awesome Meg
0: is amazing. Or some people just put a period and then the at symbol and then that, that too is a nice little shortcut to where everybody can see it. And yeah, that too. One thing that I determined for myself when I came back to Twitter. So I started Twitter a long time ago, really when it first became a thing. And then I got overwhelmed because I'd followed too many people. I didn't understand how lists worked. (laughs) So I left Twitter for a long time. And then I came back really around the time that I started Sorta Awesome. One thing I determined for myself is that I wanted my Twitter feed to be the most diverse feed of social media that I exposed myself to each day. So I made it a purpose that I wanted to hear from people of all kinds of backgrounds, whether it was racial and ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds, people from Different countries, people just from different regions of our country. I wanted to, to, it to be the place where I had a better sense of what other people think. And that has brought so much value to Twitter for me. We'll talk about Facebook later in the show. And I've sort of, I, I, I'm sort of kicking myself that I've done this now, but I've sort of curated my Facebook feed to where there's nothing, um, offensive or uh, too inflammatory in my Facebook feed. In doing that, I actually sort of muted the voices of a lot of people who feel differently than me about um, things like spirituality or politics. And so Facebook for me has really become an echo chamber, that proverbial echo chamber that we all talk about with social media. When I came back to Twitter, I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to hear, even if that people were tweeting things that I found like ruffled my feathers or even made me mad, I still wanted to hear those voices so that I could kind of make sure I'm I'm staying connected to different people's perspectives, which is the good and the bad of social media overall, right? You get to hear other perspectives, and sometimes they make you angry, but sometimes you learn, and it's enlightening. So that has been a huge, huge thing for me in Twitter. And plus, it's just easier to follow people if they're on Twitter, unless somebody has gone to the trouble of making their Twitter account private. It's so much easier to follow them on Twitter than it is, say, on Facebook, because Again, journalists, celebrities, um, thought leaders or authors or whatever, sometimes their Facebook accounts, they want to keep personal and private, but they say a lot of really great things on Twitter and it's easy to follow and and read that there.
1: But see, I have done what you did. Um, I I follow a lot of different types of voices on Twitter and have mostly unfollowed or muted my Facebook feeds to be... um, something that doesn't make me hate everybody when I log on. And I kind of think that's okay because I follow a lot of strangers or people I don't know in real life on Twitter, Mm -hmm. and they can say something offensive, and maybe I needed to hear that perspective, but I'm not like mad at them.
0: Right. Yes.
1: (laughs) Whereas on Facebook, which I keep my personal Facebook to be people I actually know – if they are posting things I really deeply disagree with, it changes my relationship with them.
0: Very true. Very true. Yes.
1: And so, I kind of do follow that funny saying that went around years ago, but is really true that's Twitter makes me love people I don't know and Facebook makes me hate the people I do
0: know. <laughs> that's very accurate. Yeah. That's been it's my like experience. Totally true. Yes. Yes. Very true. All right, we had a lot of words way more than 140 characters on Twitter. So let's move on to another platform that I think that you are very, very good at, and that is Instagram. We've both been on Instagram for roughly the same amount of time, um, but I just find that I'm not really great with it. I'll share some of the reasons why I'm not great with it, but I would love to hear your thoughts on Instagram.
1: I love Instagram for totally different reasons than I love any of the other platforms. But what's funny is... Months and months ago, you and I were having this conversation about Instagram, and you were saying that you had these problems with it, and um, you couldn't really <laughs> necessarily figure out what to post. Yes. And I, in speaking back to you, realized that I had this way that I do Instagram that I didn't even know I was doing it this way till I spoke it out my mouth. Mm-hmm. And basically, I do Instagram, I think of it like telling the story of my life. Mm-hmm. My Instagram feed has way more of an underlying narrative than any other social media feed I use. So I try to make it make sense, if you will. It's almost like a very slow-moving documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and by that, I mean very slow-moving. I don't even post Instagram every day. But if you came and you were to work backwards, it, it makes sense like in a timeline way, it's very, uh, it progresses. And I think about like what the next one will be. I Usually an Instagram does not come totally out of the blue from me. Now this is not, I'm not doing this for, um, I, I don't even know how to say this. Like I, I sort of do this naturally, right. I guess is what yes. I mean. Like it's not even for the followers totally. It's also for me. Like I want to look back and be like, this was, The progression of our day, our week, our life, this, you know, I'm following certain things like my children growing up, like our travels, you know, the creation of these podcasts, like different things. I feel like it's hard for me to explain this method, but that's what I was trying to explain when I was telling you that I feel like you should think of it like you are documenting your life. Like it needs to make sense. You can't just be like, you, you can, anybody can do Instagram any way they want, of course. And I follow people who do it in all kinds of different ways for business reasons or personal reasons. But if you're stuck on how to use Instagram or why it would be valuable to you, then maybe think of it as like, this is my story. Yes,
0: that makes sense that does. I think that my struggles with Instagram are, there's two parts to it. There was the part that you just addressed that I just get stuck where I don't know what to post. Um, also, I just don't even think of it. I think if I used it more, I would be in the habit and it would be more in the front of my mind to actually snap a picture and put it on Instagram. So there's that. And then the other part of it is skimming through my Instagram feed. I am not one to fall victim to the fear of missing out thing on any other social media except for Instagram. Because now if I'm in a healthy place, I love to see what my friend's that I'm following on Instagram are out doing, um, if they are traveling, or if they're doing something really fun with their kids, or just all of the aspects of daily life that end up on Instagram. I love that when I'm in a good place, when I'm in not a great place, when I'm skimming through, then I'm just feeling so guilty about all of the things that I'm not out doing with my kids, or that I, you know, for whatever reason, we're not getting to do at the time where that fear of missing out thing comes in. And so I just have to be really careful with myself in that. And again, I I think if I actually just opened the app and used it more and engaged with people more on the app, I think that a lot of those things could be overcome, but I do have to say that I have been not great with it. But one thing I really do want to try next year as, you know, 2016 is finally kind of winding down, thinking ahead to next year. I really want to start using chat books, which you have talked about, Rebecca has talked about on sort of awesome. I want to use it more in that documenting life kind of way. As the twins have gotten older and it's harder to capture photos of them and my girls are older and they're not always um, 100% in love with being on Instagram, I have really scaled back on just taking daily pictures. And then there was also the added problem of never getting them printed. So finally, I do think the time has come because I was looking through my pictures from 2016 so far and I just have taken so few pictures of my family. So I think the time has come to look into and start using chat books to do what you're saying to actually document life because if you're not familiar with chat books i guess i should back up it's a service it's an app right that Mm -hmm. it's an app on your phone yeah and it just draws from your instagram feed and automatically puts together photo books is that right
1: yeah just when you hit 60 there's 60 photos per book one photo on each page when you hit 60 it automatically mails you a book the books are eight dollars. I think it's
0: very inexpensive and automatic. You do nothing, right? Yes. So I know that if I would, if I have the intention of capturing more daily life, that I can hopefully get better at it. So
1: I know that you know pretty soon after its inception, Instagram became sort of like a look at my perfect life thing or look at me, and that was um, a mm-hmm. real problem mm-hmm. for people. I do think. And and I can't even say any more about that. Other than that, I think that happens on literally every social media platform. It's one of the inherent problems. But another thing about Instagram that's different than anything else is that you can have a discipline to it. So a lot of people almost give themselves assignments. Like they're they're hitting a place where you're describing you are. And so they decide, I'm going to take a photo every single day this year. Um, and maybe it's of their child, if that's what's important to them. One of my favorite follows is our dear friend, Matt Hoffman. He lives in Oklahoma City. And he snaps a photo almost every single night of his of the sunset in his backyard. Uh-huh. He has this glorious um, backyard with kind of an infinity pool. And, and the way the sun sets there is just gorgeous. And he... Posts it almost every night and he hashtags it Backyard Glory. And then he makes these books of the same sunset in his same backyard. And it's awesome. Like people like tune in to see his sunset pictures. Um, Some people will do their outfit every day. I do a thing on Sundays. My family has a pancake ritual that we do every Sunday morning in our jammies. It kind of resets us. We have lazy Sundays. And I started a couple of years ago taking a picture, they're not great pictures. They're usually like my kids in pancake batter, like they're not, (laughs) you know, and hashtagging it Sunday pancakes. But to me, it's like um, marking the time. Sure. Yes. Like I can look at our original Sunday pancakes photos and they're my husband doing it because we had one in a high chair. Well, now the kids are doing Sunday pancakes on their own and I'm documenting that. So like, You can give yourself a discipline or an assignment, however you want to look at it, that kind of either tracks something or gives you something to post. Mm -hmm. And it can be anything, some kind of nature, like... The weather changing out your window or like a family thing. I don't know. I really like that about Instagram. A lot of people do
0: something like that. I should, I should look at trying that too. Just the idea again, because like I said, I don't even often enough think like, oh, I should put this on Instagram or even take a picture right now. If there is a standing appointment type thing that like your Sunday pancakes, something where this is, this is a weekly or maybe even a daily picture, then I'm going to be thinking about it. So that's good. Yeah. That like, time. do you,
1: I don't know if you follow, um, It used to be, I think it used to be Stroller in this city. I don't know if you follow Jessica Scheiba, but she's the one who started those Theo and Bo photos. So she took a picture every day of her child napping with the dog. Yes. Yes. So dark. And so cute. I mean, those pictures are amazing and and not like normal to everyone else's life. But it's that same thing of like, oh, I'm going to take this particular picture every single day. And then that became like a huge thing. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, that's right. So
1: are you are you doing Instagram stories? I'm gonna guess no.
0: No. I can't <laughs> I don't know how they work. <laughs> do you know what they are? I know what they are. I watch other people's and I love them. Uh I just haven't done any of my own.
1: Well, I didn't like it at first. It's obvious like a total copycat of Snapchat where Instagram just like lets you do these quick. Um, you can't really filter them or edit them or make them look any kind of better than they are. They disappear in 24 hours, like these kind of quickie things. At first, I was like annoyed. Like I I never got on Snapchat. I didn't want Snapchat and Instagram. But now I'm kind of using them as offshoots of whatever I posted in the feed. So again, back to Sunday Pancakes, if I post whatever picture I actually put on Instagram for Sunday Pancakes, but then maybe up in the Instagram stories, I'll show like, We do shapes for our pancakes, Mm -hmm. like different animal shapes and whatever. So maybe up in the stories, I'll show like what the shapes were that day. Yeah. Or um, if I post a picture of a restaurant, fun out with my friends, then maybe in the stories, I put a picture of the food if anyone's interested in like food pictures. But I don't really want that in my main feed. I am sort of enjoying like that it's, I don't know, I'm sort
0: of enjoying the Instagram stories, even though I was against them at first. I'm glad you came around on it. I have been loving your stories. I love just like the, there really are, they do feel like a more immediate just glimpse into life. They're not staged, they're not filtered, they're just real. And I, for that reason, I have really been enjoying them. They're a lot of fun. I just haven't done any myself, but maybe Thanks. I will. <laughs> okay. Before we tackle the behemoth that is Facebook, let's talk about Pinterest real fast, because again, we've both been on Pinterest. We were on Pinterest as bloggers, and so Pinterest became a thing that we thought about in terms of driving traffic to our blogs. Now neither of us are blogging, and so I feel like we just use it the way most people use Pinterest. Um, So I wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. I don't have a ton to say about Pinterest. I will say this speaks
1: to what you were saying a little bit about FOMO or making people's perfect images, kind of making you feel bad about yourself or or whatever. I know that was a huge thing on Pinterest initially. Like people were seeing all these perfect recipes and perfect parties and all of these things that made everyone just feel nasty. I, I heard a lot of that about Pinterest. To me, Pinterest is like the most relaxing.
0: Ah, interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. <laughs> it's not that I don't get the angst
1: that's attached to perfect pins. It's just like, I don't think those are real. <laughs> right. They're, like, they're clearly not like, real not. people. Real life. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just like looking in a magazine where you also have this like acknowledgement that this isn't real life. Nobody's living room really looks like that. Um, and so to me, it's... The mo I have just have absolutely zero angst about what I post or zero angst about like what I pin, like anything. I don't care how many followers I have there. I don't really care if I unfollow someone, like if I'm hurting someone's feelings, like I just that is like it's not private. It's my page is public and my pins are public, but like I don't know. It I guess it's it's just not personal. The other social media networks are really personal and you kind of are like worried someone's judging you for your choices on other platforms. And I just don't even care about that on Pinterest. Like I I can post the most unhealthy recipe of all time (laughs) and like if someone
0: judges I like to I don't care exactly exactly it's funny because post-blogging I really do use Pinterest as just a place to go for resources I really do not look through my feed of people that I'm following anymore I just like if I want a Halloween costume idea birthday party idea I'm thinking about maybe getting a tattoo for my 40th birthday so I have been using it a lot lately to look at tattoo ideas (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, this is a very big bomb you've just dropped.
0: I know, I know. I've never in my whole life entertained the idea seriously, but I I think I might do it. My 40th is next summer and it seems like the right time. So I've been skimming Pinterest for inspiration and ideas and I find that it's true. Like you really can completely disassociate any personal feelings about what you're seeing on there. It, it, people sometimes talk about feeling the pressure to make something Pinterest perfect. I don't. I just want some ideas. I I know myself. I know I'm not going to recreate something that's going to be totally pinnable. I don't care about that. I just need to know what can I dress my twins as for Halloween this year. That's it.
1: I also so. like that um, for me, I love the idea of Etsy. Like I love the idea of buying handmade and the the work people are putting into it. Like, I love it, love it, love it. But when I actually open up Etsy, I just shut it down immediately. Like, I can't handle it. Yeah. On Pinterest. Okay. So in August, I threw my parents' 50th anniversary party, a wedding shower for my friend Shauna at my house, and my husband's uh 50th birthday party in Mexico. So I was like hostess with the mostess in August. Literally. I use Pinterest so much for ideas, and a lot of the ideas often link to or involve an Etsy seller. Yeah. And I couldn't have been happier. I made lots of Etsy purchases. That if I had just gone to Etsy, and I think I would have just gotten
0: stressed out. It's so true. It is a great way to find products. It really is, especially if you're some looking for something unique, handmade, that is not something that you can get at Target or whatever uh, big box store. It is a great way to find new things. I've made a ton of purchases, especially for birthday parties. I found um, party favors, um, like printables, all kinds of things for all of my kids' birthdays, found the link to the Etsy shop through Pinterest. So it's hugely helpful in that sense as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Facebook. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the one that I feel like most people are involved in in some way almost every single day is Facebook. So let's try to start with some of the awesomes of Facebook. <laughs> Even though in 2016, we might have to search a little harder to find the awesomes. But let's talk about some of the great ways that Facebook, um, we use it in our lives. Well,
1: Facebook groups Mm -hmm. are a huge awesome in my life. Um, My sort of closest friend group in this stage of my life is scattered throughout the country. And we talk on Facebook in a group every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also part of a sort of online content creator type of uh, group of women, everybody who's working in online stuff. And we have a group on Facebook where we share lots of wisdom and resources and stuff. That is very helpful to me. And then, of course, our sort of awesome hangout group is just a joy to jump in and see the conversations there. Groups are like the saving grace of Facebook
0: to me. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. I do. Um, There have been times in my life when I have taken Facebook completely off of any mobile device and just used the Facebook groups app so that you can skip. And I've talked about Facebook groups app on the show before, but that allows you to skip your main feed and you just go right to your groups. And that can be really great and helpful. Even in the tense atmosphere that this election year has been. And it's not just the elections, although I feel like the elections in our country do make everything feel like bigger stakes, you know, like all kinds of conversations feel really, really pressing and important. Even in the midst of that, I have found things that are enjoyable. For example, you and I have a friend from high school, his name's Ross, and he throughout the... um presidential primaries would share like these like statistical analysis, breakdowns of primaries as they were happening. Um, he did that leading into the convention. And then he continues to have relevant and really interesting and engaging Facebook commentary on stuff. Um, as as the election cycle has rolled along, he does this for like college football and other topics that come up. He just gets on Facebook and just like t- types out these really interesting thoughts. And that has been an awesome, when I come across somebody who is less interested in being um, inflammatory and more interested in genuinely just presenting a point of view and welcoming conversation. I have a couple of friends in my feed that do that. I. Very much value that because I tend to not want to post anything controversial on my own page, but I admire and enjoy when other people are willing to take that risk and put interesting thoughts out into the um, social media world via Facebook.
1: Well, I also like and you know it's hard to to qualify this during election season, but I also like when people share really good articles and stuff there. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly looking for stuff to share in my secret posts, which is an email I send out or whatever. I get a lot of those things on Twitter. But as we've talked about, Twitter moves so fast that I miss so much. I miss less on Facebook. I, I see a lot of what comes through my Facebook. And I, I have, like you were describing, certain friends who always are linking out to something really interesting. Like I trust their taste.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, contrasting what we were also saying about Twitter is people are maybe more thoughtful about the articles mm-hmm. and stuff that they share on Facebook. And so certain people I know that that's probably a good one. I'm gonna click through and read. So I do like... Um, The social shares on Facebook, the ones that aren't cuckoo pants. Yes. Because there's a lot of cuckoo pants.
0: (laughs) These days, definitely. I do think it's worth revisiting your point earlier in this episode that what somebody shares, let's just say on a platform like Facebook, can change our opinion of the person it can change the dynamic of the relationship you may have a friend who you at one time consider to be really a safe person for talking about big topics things that are maybe hard to talk about and in the midst of an intense season like this maybe they're sharing things that you're just you just cannot even believe they're sharing um, back in 2012, during that election cycle, uh, somebody in my Facebook feed shared something about Mitt Romney that basically was making the connection between, um, or trying to make the point that because of his Mormon faith, that he would not be a great president for the United States. And... I took that wildly personally. I'm not Mormon, but I have lots of Mormon friends. And I don't know. It just, that actually put a strain on that friendship that had not, that would not have been there had it not been for the sharing of that article. And so I think that it can take a toll on friendship after a while. And then we find ourselves using functions of Facebook, like either some people You may decide to completely unfriend and not have part of your social media existence, or you may choose to unfollow so that they're just not showing up in your feed anymore. I have had to, I definitely have had to unfollow friends to save a friendship. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. And I've tried to decide and debate within myself if it is better that we know a person feels this way. Um. If it is better that some of the underbellies of our culture and ourselves are being exposed, or if it was better when we all lived in ignorance (laughs) about each other's terriblenesses. And and I'm including that stuff in myself as well. Like I, I get, I've gotten very angry in the last six months. I have posted stuff that under normal circumstances, I would you know, be appalled to post. And I've done it just out of sheer frustration or anger. I mean, the world has gone nuts. And I don't know if it's better or not. It's definitely, I will say, it has definitely changed some relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in my life, probably forever. And and I'm sure people would feel the same about me. Um, But I think this election is going to be over in a few weeks, but the reverberations are going to last for a long time. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of that is is because of social media. I'm sure in my ignorance, I don't even know which ones, but I'm sure there have been contentious elections before, sure. even with candidates that are very... <laughs> hard to swallow before i mean we've had a good 200 year history but now that we can see everybody's thoughts every day sure yeah it is
0: changing it is changing our our culture mhm it is it is in and fewer and fewer places and discussions i feel like on facebook where you can actually engage a conversation um I try to, I try to assign positive intent wherever I can. That's easier to do when it's my friend who has posted something that I want to talk to them about. And then, but their friends are weighing in with things that I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know how to touch that argument or whatever. But just trying to be, you know, use phrases like, it sounds like you're saying this, or what I hear you saying is this, or help me understand. That's one that I use a lot. Help me understand why this would be true. Um. I feel like help me understand is a very good neutral phrase where people don't feel threatened. They feel like they can, they have the um, permission and the space to explain a little bit more. I've tried to do some of that. I do just feel like, I mean, I've always tried to do that in social media conversation. I just feel like because of the way Facebook is structured, where you do have your whole friend list, like weighing in on um, a topic, it can be, it can get out of hand so quickly um, I remember this has been several years ago this was not in 2016 this was several years ago I cannot remember what I even posted about but it was something about culture in the south and one friend of mine she's no longer friends with me she decided to unfriend me shortly after this whole thing went down but she uh, like went on this rant about southern culture she was not originally from the South, but she was living there for job circumstances reasons. And this was all in my comments. And then other people who live in the sort of Southern part of the United States were jumping in and it just turned into this huge brawl. And I was like, this was not, I don't want this to happen. (laughs) Let's make this stop. I think I ended up taking the whole thread down. It was just like such a disaster for someone like me. I don't like conflict at all. And people were like just going at each other in the comments. And so that can, that's a risk too. Not even just seeing what your friends are posting and making commentary on that you don't agree with. But then when your friends are getting into fights and they don't even know each other in the comments of something, uh, I don't know. It just can be a lot of stress. But One thing that you did share that is a very big part of my everyday life that brings the awesome to my life every day is our hangout community that we have on Facebook. It lives on Facebook on this place, in this place where it can be so hard to have a good, helpful, encouraging conversation. We have the sort of hangout community that grew out of fans of the show, listeners of the show, and consistently reminds me that there are so many good people in this world. And there are so many great things that are happening. And um, some of the spinoff groups that have come out of that are engaging some really important and deeper conversations. And I'm just every single day, I'm so proud of the people that are there and how hard we all work to keep that place so safe and so um, helpful for everybody who's a member.
1: Yeah, I love... Facebook groups and 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 even with its negatives especially lately I really love Facebook on the whole I, it has kept me connected to friends I know I would have lost oh, touch yeah, with totally. I know I would have and I have friends who aren't on Facebook at all or, and or any social media really but especially Facebook and sometimes I think I truly think this in my head I don't know how to keep up with you yes that's right yeah. Like, I really don't. Like, I'll be like, I actually am not sure <laughs> how to keep in touch with you very well because I, I'm i not seeing you in my feed. Like, I'm not reminded of you. Does that sound terrible?
0: It doesn't sound terrible. I think that that is just the nature of the the shift in our culture to where there's an expectation that everyone would be connected to some kind of social media in some way. And it can be very difficult to, um, to know how to keep up. Yeah. And I respect that they don't, I respect
1: people who, who, who don't do it. It's not that it's just, I do think like that it then eliminates a bridge because we're not in the same place every day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by place, like we're not, it's a gathering place in a way, the internet and, and people who aren't there, Fully valid, more power to you, but it also like eliminates our strings
0: mm. sometimes. That's very true. Very true. Well, we have covered a lot of ground today. We've expressed a lot of opinions about social media. Some you may agree with, some you may not agree with, but we would love to hear your response as you share with us your experiences with social media. So Laura, remind us where we can find you all around the web. The easiest way to find me is
1: going to hollywoodhousewife.com where I'm linked out in all my social media. I'm Laura Tremaine on Twitter, laura.tremaine on Instagram, and the Hollywood Housewife on Facebook. I also write a monthly email called The Secret Posts that just has recommendations on what to read, watch, and wear right now. And it's a fun little email. I'd love it if you'd sign up for it. You can also do that by going to hollywoodhousewife.com.
0: And don't forget, November 2nd is going to be one Day HH, make sure that you make a note of that for yourself. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta of awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at sort of awesome Show and you can always find us hanging out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta of Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.